the greatest story ever told. You ever see that movie? It was put out, I believe, in the late 50s, early 60s, one of the first movies about Jesus. The greatest story ever told is the story, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But to me, the greatest story ever told within the greatest story ever told is the story of the prodigal son, the lost son. As I've said over the last few weeks in this series, Going Live with God, God is the hero of the Bible. God is the hero of the story. And in this story, in my mind, it is a story not about the son as much as it is about the father and his love. And what we're going to talk about this morning is going live in the love of God. And what makes the story of the prodigal son so incredible and so meaningful is that it shows the father's love for people who did not get lost accidentally, but intentionally. And haven't we all? Now, you heard that song, You're the God of Miracles, and there's a line in there about raising the dead. And I thought to myself, you know, I've never seen anybody come back from the dead physically. But wouldn't that be something else? Can you imagine what that would be like? Or to have been standing there when Jesus called Lazarus' name? I've never seen that. But I'll tell you what I have seen. I've seen people come back from the dead spiritually. Some of the most beautiful moments I've ever witnessed in my life have been watching someone's hardened heart melt as they experience the merciful God. That's the most beautiful thing this side of heaven. What kind of love is that? It's the kind that brings the lost and the broken and the backslidden back to life again. So let's ask the Lord to take us to new heights in that kind of love. Do you need that? I do. I know you do. And let's pray and believe that even those who are watching that aren't really sure about that yet, by the time we're finished this message and somewhere in it, the God of this story will make history in their life and in our life again by revealing his love. Will you join me real fast? Lord, you are the hero of the story. And all of history is about you and your plan and your heart and your son. May this message be about you and not about me and not about anyone else. And we pray that you would move in every life and all of us, you know our heart, you know our need, you know what we lack. I ask what we would all receive again is your love. As we come to you, We'd experience the life that is birthed and built in your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Going live in the love of God, 
The greatest story ever told within the greatest story ever told, in my opinion, is the story that goes like this. There once was a man who had two sons. And the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. And so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. And about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept across the country. And he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him out into the field to feed his pigs. And this young man became so hungry that even the pods that the pigs feed on started to look good to him. And no one gave him anything. Finally, this young man came back to his senses and he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough and to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. There's a lot more to that story. This is one of my favorite portions of it. The other one will come after, but this is my first favorite part. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The lost son and our sin. The Bible describes sin three ways. In the nature of sin that is in all of us who are alive, who ever lived, sin is described in three ways. It manifests itself in us. In three ways. One definition is missing the mark. That means there's a standard and we miss it. Another definition is stepping out of bounds. And another, regretfully, is rebellious defiance. And when I think about the definitions and the descriptions of the sin nature in all of us, it reminds me of how the Apostle Paul described all of us. At one time, he said, we were lost and without hope and without God in the world. When I think about this pandemic right now, and I think about how hard it is even for believers, we're not exempt from it, are we? But then I think about that phrase, lost without hope and without God in the world. And there are people like that all around us. In the midst of this, 
But Paul goes on to describe the sin nature another way when he says we were enemies in our mind. Enemies of who? Of ourselves? No, of God. Enemies of God by our evil behavior. Now, half a century before that, Isaiah the prophet described all of us like this. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own wicked way. Those phrases speak about the lost state all of us are in or were in if you, if I, put my faith, turn my heart away from sin toward God, and like Peter said, have tasted the loving kindness of the Lord. The lost in all of us. We miss the mark of our own standards. Wouldn't it be great if we always lived by the standards that we have for ourselves? We miss the mark. Other people's standards, we miss the mark, and they let us know it sometimes. We might hold to good standards, and we don't hit those all the time. But the Bible talks about missing God's standard, and no one measures up to it because we were born that way. There is no one righteous, not even one. We step out of bounds sometimes in ignorance. I mean, we didn't know the boundaries, and we didn't know we were stepping out. We didn't know we were stepping in. We're stepping out. Trespasses, it's called. And in other times, it's not ignorance. We know the boundaries. But we have an irresistible urge to do so, even though we know we shouldn't. And sometimes it's not intentional that we're being defiant. We're just being foolish and deceived. But in other times, we throw off restraint and do what we do out of arrogant defiance and hostility. In pride and arrogance, we strike back at God's claim, King, Creator, Rears creation. But this story is about someone more glorious, and it's about God. Jesus is telling the story about a father's heart for his son to really point us not to fathers, but to God, who has a father heart toward everybody, and his heart is for every person who walks in every kind of that description of sin. And his heart is for not only wayward sinners, but for wayward sons and wayward daughters. Because God is a hero in the Bible, and our God is the only one who deserves all the glory. Why? Because while we were still sinners, ungodly, defiant, trespassers, Jesus, his son died for his abusers, died for his accusers, died for the mockers, died for the scoffers, died in the place of all of us. This is the only one who deserves all the glory forever and forever and forever. For God so loved the world as the world so loved themselves that he gave his one and only son to die 
for each selfish one of us. Give me the inheritance right now. I want it before you die. Let's visit this story again and zoom in even closer and see the love of God toward this wayward and lost son. Not too long after he left, as we read, there began to be a famine in the land, and so the prodigal began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a pig farmer, and he was in such a state of starvation that even the food that the pigs ate began to look inviting. But as I look at this story closely, I start to see something uh, that's going on around this young man that he's not really aware, and it's, and it's the master's hand. It's the craftsman's hand. It's the father's hand, and it's God's love. God's love is at work even when the wayward don't realize it. He has a love for all of us, and it looks like this in this story. God's love helps us. God's love even helps us when we're not looking for it. For instance, God's love is like this. He helps us fall out of love with our lostness. I remember a period in my life as a young teenager where I started to become so miserable with my life. Miserable with my view of the world and my view of myself and everything around me, quite frankly, including me, felt like pig slop. And I look back now and I realize there was somebody loving me. And it was God. And God was loving me in this way. He was helping me fall out of love with my lostness. What once held glitz and glimmer started to reveal what it truly was. It was a mirrored reflection of the vacuum in my own soul, in my emptiness. God's love helps us. Maybe you are coming to that place in your life where what you used to love, you don't love anymore. Nothing satisfies you. Or maybe you are someone who at one time can say, I celebrate the grace of God. I walked in worship and in the Word. And, if, and, and, in, and in that time in my life, I was so sweet with the Lord, and the Lord was so sweet with me, and, we, and I was in love with the Lord. And, and if someone would have come along then and said, hey, 15 years from today, young man, you're going to be loving again what you fell out of love with when you fell in love with Jesus. And you're going to be starting to date the world again. You would have said, you are crazy, man. I am a Jesus freak. I'm a Jesus fanatic. I love the Lord with all my heart and soul. Here you are. You're not happy in, you're not happy out, and you're just there you are. And the love of God is drying up the wells and the glitter doesn't have glitter in it anymore. And the, cliche, and the words are now, they're just cliche and empty. It's God's love. 
His love for all of us looks like this. Second, his love for us helps us hunger for home. The boy said to himself, when he came to his senses, at home. At home. See, it's the love of God that allows a heart to come to its senses in such a way that it hungers for home. It hungers for God again. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace will lead me home." He started to think, I want to go home. Don't think God didn't have something to do with that. If you're miserable right now, and all of a sudden you start to remember moments you had at altars, and moments you had in the house of God, and moments you had among brothers and sisters, and moments you had in the Word, and all that. Listen, I wish I could say, hey, I started out going with God, and I've, gone, I've, I've just blazed a trail straight with the Lord, walked with Him hand in hand all the way. But you know what? There have been times in my life, I have to confess, times in my life just through business and sometimes through battles where you get hurt and you get hardened and you get, your eyes get open, your eyes get off track. And then something from the world starts to woo you again. And one of the reasons I'm so grateful for the conversion experience that I had is that it was such a, 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 a time stamp in my life of, of, of reality with God that whenever I have become lukewarm in certain ways in my eyes or, or began to wander or began, became weary and, and began to wonder if it's worth it, you know how you start thinking stupid things because you get your eyes off the prize and off the prize to one? And we've all probably done that. And you start blaming and naming and all that stuff. But God takes your mind back to moments. David even had that happen to him. In the Psalms, he said, you know, I started to look at the wicked and I started to envy the wicked and I started to think, look, it's working out for them and I'm walking. And he said, I thought that until I went back into the house of God. Until I went home and I smelled my mama's cooking, and, I, and my daddy was on the porch, and my brothers were in the yard, home at home at home. Is God reminding you of a rich time in your life when everything was good with God and your heart was at home? Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. You know what God's love does? God's love draws us home. I've wandered far away from God, but now I'm coming home. The paths of sin too long I've trod. Lord, I'm coming home. Coming home, coming home, never more to roam. Open wide thine arms of love, Lord. I'm coming home. The love of God. 
leads us to come home again. It helps us fall out of love with our lostness, and it helps us hunger for home. But it does something else. This is where the story really gets good. The love of God helps us heal by a revelation of his heart. You know, I don't know how many times that son retold that story. I don't know, you know, if when they had the celebration and the fatted calf was killed and the music was playing and the wine was flowing and people were celebrating, if somebody came over to that son's table that, and, and sat down and said, tell me about it. I believe that son. And I believe if that story was real, in heaven right now, and someday if we find out that there really was a kid that did, that this was a story that really happened, and we ask that, Are you the, you're the prodigal son? Tell me about it. I think he would say this, well, look, I got up over the ridge and I was near home and I could see the house and I could see my father's face. He just stared and he dropped open his mouth. And he ran up the road. And he fell to my feet. And he cried. And he cried. And I, I, I tried to lift him up. I said, Father, I, I've sinned. Heaven's ashamed of me. I'm no longer worthy to bear your name. I've learned that my home is right where you are. So please, Father, take me in. A half century earlier, the prophets were speaking God's heart for wayward Israel. And Jeremiah, speaking full of the Holy Spirit, God's word is coming out of him like fire that had been shut up in his bones and its heart is crying out for Israel. He calls him Ephraim. The northern kingdom, Israel, was known as Ephraim. And, he, and he's hearing Ephraim say, you broke me. All those years of running loose, I'm ashamed of my past, my wild, unruly past, humiliated, I beat my chest. Will I ever live this down? And God himself speaks through Jeremiah to the wayward Ephraim and says, Oh, Ephraim, my dear son, my child in whom I take pleasure, every time I mention your name, my heart bursts with longing for you. Everything in me cries out for you. Softly and tenderly, I wait for you. I put this message together a few days back. And coming into this sanctuary, the Holy Spirit moved so powerfully in my heart and told me to speak to the wayward son and daughter 
Not just the, the sinner that's never come to the cross, but the son who had been at the cross, the daughter who had been at the cross, and for whatever reason, there are numerous reasons, and we all could write a book about all the reasons why we aren't where we should be and are where we shouldn't be, and we can blame and we can point and we can have all these reasons, and listen, cry me a river. I've got them too. You've got them. We've all, we all could say, but the point is, there's something inside. After the argument, and everybody goes, yeah, I get it. You still know that you had something with God. You had it. But God has sent me to say to you, He's not looking at you the way the devil wants you to look at you. He is calling you home. And what makes the story by Jesus so incredible and so meaningful is that it shows the Father's love for people who didn't get lost accidentally, but intentionally. Haven't we all? Did you get lukewarm by accident? Did you backslide by accident? Did your heart grow cold by accident? Mine was intentional. You know, in the Garden of Eden where we, where we were last week, after the fall of Adam and Eve, God came walking back to them. Do you know on the long dirt road after the sun's defiance, God came running back for him? What kind of love is this? I told you, he's the hero in the story, not me, not you. Not look at me. Not look at what happened and I'm the drama queen. Even if I'm backsliding, it's still about, no, it's about God. And his defiant love that will not yield. It's there for you and me. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, he embraced him, and he kissed him. Look at the father's love in verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. Was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. They began to celebrate. God can love your wayward heart back to a place of celebration again. And that's what he wants to do. I told you, the greatest sight my eyes have ever seen is when a wayward, hardened heart starts to melt in the embrace of a merciful God. Paul describes what God will do for every person that comes home. 
In Titus, he says it like this. When the goodness and loving kindness of our God appears, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, to the praise of his glorious grace. By the washing of regeneration. By the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ. Phrases, saved us in mercy. Wash us in regeneration. Renewal by the Holy Spirit poured out on us richly. That's that guy. Robe, ring, shoes, celebration. See, it's not about me. It's about him. He is glorious. The cross of Jesus Christ, his shed blood, releases upon those who return and call on him the washing and renewal of your soul and mine in his love. That's the glory revealed in Jesus. I'll close with this. The law revealed the love of God. Some people don't think that, but it, I'll show you. The law, the old scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, someone called the Old Testament, revealed the love on a mountain. But justice had to be satisfied. But in the new, the son released that love from a cross so every returning soul could be filled. So let's go there. Mount Sinai, Moses says, show me your glory. And the Lord shows him. But the Lord reveals his heart through words, not through sight. And so as the Lord passes by, he announces himself. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity. Here they are. Iniquity, rebellion, and sin. I forgive. I lift it off the shoulders of the one who has defied me, the one who's rebelled, and the one who's missed it. I lift it off, but... I do not excuse the guilty, and I will lay the sins of the parents on their children and grandchildren, their family, even to the third and fourth generations. Where are we? We are in the law. And in the law, the love is revealed, but a, a statement is made, justice must be served. And Moses threw himself on the ground and worshiped God. See, the law revealed the love on a mountain, but justice had to be satisfied. And God is just, and so sin must be dealt with, it must be punished, yet God longs to justify the ungodly. God wants to bring everybody into his arms of mercy. So he took the justice 
upon himself. His son took our penalty and released from his blood shed on the cross. Enough love to heal the whole world a thousand times over. To fill you and me. You and I, this morning, are at the precipice. The possibility of experiencing a kind of love that will make you come alive again. Repent of your sins, Peter said. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Before I close, I got a picture on my phone of this little boy. He's my grandson. Graham. Every time his pacha visits him, he melts my heart away. He comes to me, and he nestles up, hugs me, and puts his head on my shoulder. And I, I just melt. I have a picture of my little grandson, firstborn grandchild. And on this, you can't see it. I wish you could. I'd show everybody in the world. He's out walking in a field at the state park. It's a beautiful day. And my little Graham is taking a step in the field. And uh, I walked around in the sanctuary before coming up on the platform. And, and I, just, I, I just had that picture burn in my soul. It's my, it's my wallpaper photo on my phone, and I want it there for a reason, because I said to God, I want to live, God, I want to live a life that my grandson will be attracted to the glory of God that he sees his grandfather pursue. And I need your mercy and your grace, Lord, because I have a part of me that can get attracted to pathways that have nothing to do with the glory of God. And this little boy has his eyes on his pacha. And I want him to know the pathway home. Home. And the, the closest thing to God 
in my life right now is the embrace and the light on the face of my grandson and my granddaughter, Juju. Closest thing to God. Because they light up at somebody, me, who doesn't deserve to light up anything. <laughs> the reason I bring that up is because in a, in a tiny, like the grain of sand on the seashore, as, as, as powerful as their love is, and it moves my heart so deeply, compared to God's love for all of us, at our worst moments. The purity of heart of my grandkids is like a grain of sand compared to the universe, oceans, of the love God has for you and me. Let's go back home. Let's throw aside every weight and the sin that so easily we've allowed to entangle us up. All the excuses, all the finger pointing, all the reasons why we are, we are where we are because we lost sight of the glory of our Father. And He still has His eyes fixed on us to the praise of your glorious grace. Do you know why we'll cast our crowns at his feet? Because we will know we didn't do one thing to earn them. When we see who he is and what he did, we will think this thing cannot. The only reason I hold it is because he wants me to for his honor. But this crown is his. Crown him with many crowns. I want to pray for you and me. I'm no better than you. I'm just discovering this boundless love of God. I want to live in it for you, for me, for my family, for my church, for the world, and bring glory to Jesus. And I want to live in it so others might find him and look right past me and right to him. So would you join me in this prayer? I can pray for you. Would you close your eyes, maybe get on your knees in your living room, or at least get on your knees in your heart. Father, when we think of all that you've done and who you are, we have to fall on our knees and pray. You're the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And so we pray right now that from your glorious, unlimited, 
resources of power. You would strengthen us inside through the working of your mighty Holy Spirit. God just touched you. You're, you're in your living room and you're down on your face and you're crying. Tears that have come out of a well that you thought was long gone dry and you can't stop. That's the Spirit of God. I feel you, your friend, I feel you right now. This is how we know that Jesus longs to make his home in our heart. Give every person the power to trust you again. Give every one of us, by your grace, the ability to take the roots of our faith and take them down deep into the ocean of your love where we find a brand new strength as sons and daughters of God. And may we have the power to understand something that we cannot understand with our logical mind, and that is this, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of our God is. And may we experience the love of Jesus Christ. We'll never understand it or why you could love like you do. And may we be filled to all the fullness of God. Now, all glory, God, belongs to you. Through your mighty power at work in us, we lift our hearts in praise because you are able to do more than we could ever ask, ever imagine, or ever think. To you be glory in this church, in the church, all around the world. And to Jesus Christ be all the glory, not only in this generation, but in my grandchildren's generation, and in their children's generation, and in every generation, forever, and ever, and ever.